One thing that's true for all of us is that we all plan, don't we? Whether it be uh, long, extensive plans or or short plans, uh, maybe there's not a lot of details, maybe there's a lot of details. We all plan. Sometimes planning can be pretty fun, can it? We plan a vacation, uh, figuring out all the details that are necessary to plan a vacation. It's kind of fun because we know the vacation is going to be fun. We first got to figure out where we're going, travel plans, lodging plans, uh, meal plans. We got to figure all that out. And it can be pretty fun. Sometimes uh, maybe we just like to plan our week. Uh, We like to sit down and we like to block it out on the calendar. Work, school, kids practice, kids game, walking my dog. uh, and, And we fill those times in on our calendar. And it's fun to be organized. Maybe later this afternoon you're the type of person uh, that likes to sit down and plan your meals for the week and you plan what you're having Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday all across the board. So when you go to the grocery store, you have a plan to buy food. Planning can be fun, but sometimes planning can be not so fun. It can cause heartache and headaches. Maybe business isn't going so well, and so you sit down and have a planning meeting and you find out that the only way that your business is going to make it is by making some cuts, and one of those cuts involves an employee that you're close with. But for the good of the company, you have to cut him. Maybe it's in your own budget. You realize that uh, you're in debt or you're headed towards debt, and the only way to get out of it is to cut things out that you really like like maybe cable, direct TV, uh, the movie channels, or uh, maybe even the MLB network, which would just be a travesty because Major League Baseball is starting up. Uh, Spring training has started. (laughs) Sometimes planning is not so fun because we have to cut things out. All of us plan. And even if we plan to cut things out, I am willing to bet that none of us have ever planned to cut somebody out of this life. Yes, it's how it sounds. I'm willing to bet that none of us have planned to kill somebody. Whether the innocent or guilty, I'm willing to bet none of us have done that. Or have we? Or have we? Today we begin a brand new series uh, entitled Scandal. Scandal is more than just something bad happening. A scandal is something bad and that's unexpected and involves a prominent person or people. Like I said at the beginning of the service, you, you probably can think of several scandals in your mind that just happened over the last couple months, last year. Scandals are always unexpected. And we begin a journey today looking at the greatest scandal that's ever happened. It involves fixed juries. It involves betrayal by friends. It involves an innocent man put to death. It involves pastors who plot. And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at the plot, the plan. And to do so, we are in John chapter 11. John chapter 11 uh, is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible because it it is a time when Jesus performed one of his greatest miracles that has ever taken place, uh, besides his own resurrection. This miracle is what set off this plan to kill Jesus. We are in John chapter 11, beginning with verse 45. 
Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. What happened right before this? Jesus is a couple months away from his death, and he had a family of friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus had gotten sick and died. His sisters had the ceremony, put him in a tomb, not like our tombs where we bury them in the ground. They buried him into a cave, and they rolled a big stone in front of it. For four days, Lazarus was in that tomb, and then Jesus showed up. He showed up to their little town of Bethany, which was just outside of Jerusalem. And when he showed up, a crowd gathered around. This was two and a half years into Jesus' ministry. He was a popular guy. People knew he had performed many, many miracles. So maybe they showed up expecting Jesus to do something. Maybe they showed up just wanting to hear words of comfort from Jesus. Jesus gets there, and Mary and Martha lead him to the tomb, and Jesus says, roll the stone away. And Martha says, Lord, he's been in there four days. It's going to smell really bad. And Jesus says, roll it away. And in a loud voice, Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came walking out. And this is what happened. Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary, who had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is what they needed. They now believed Jesus was the Messiah. They'd heard Jesus raise people from the dead, but they'd only been dead a few hours. This guy was for sure dead, put in the grave, lifeless, for four days. And Jesus rose him. This is what they needed. They now believed in him. But some weren't so happy. And they went to tell the Pharisees what Jesus did. The Pharisees uh, were that group of religious leaders uh, who they didn't like Jesus because Jesus constantly told them again and again, you're not going to get to heaven because of how good you live. Heaven is a gift through Jesus. And He constantly told them this. And they, they didn't like that because they lived really good lives. And they were will, able to tell the people, hey, you want to get into heaven? You've got to live like us. And so not only was Jesus saying, you're not going to get to heaven by your works, but you're also losing control of the people because I'm telling them, salvation's through me. And so they did not like Jesus at all. And so you have two groups of people. One who believed in Jesus after this, one who went and told the Pharisees because they weren't happy. And here's what the Pharisees did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of the Jewish people, the Sanhedrin. They were the, made of pastors, teachers, political leaders. Or, yeah, political leaders. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. This is unbelievable. This is an unbelievable scandal. Not only are the chief priests and the Pharisees there, but the high priest is there. One of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. 
Here's your first point today. The pastors plotted to murder God. Talk about a scandal. The chief priests, the elders, the religious leaders of the people are planning to murder somebody. They're plotting behind the scenes to murder. And not just anybody. They're plotting to murder God. The God they claim to serve. This is a huge scandal. How many times do you think these people, these men, sat with their children and went down God's commandments, reciting them with them? And they get to the fifth commandment and they say, you shall not murder. How many times do you think they told the people, you shall not murder? How many men and women do you think they convicted of murder and had them put to death? It was these men who are behind the scenes plotting to do just that. Plotting to murder God. And it's not just the chief priests and the elders and the religious leaders. It's the high priest himself, Caiaphas. The one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. The high priest was the pastor of the pastors, the chief pastor. He had a very high calling. God in the Old Testament, uh, Aaron, Moses' brother, was the very first high priest. And God told Aaron, the high priest is responsible for the go-between between God and the people. And he said, one time a year, the high priest had a very special job on the Day of Atonement. It was a festival that the Jewish people celebrated. It was the day that they compensated for the, for the nation of Israel's sins before God and made peace with the nation. That day, the high priest was responsible for going into the temple in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place where God dwelled. Here's a picture of the temple. Out here is where the sacrifices would happen. And then you'd walk in. This is the area for the priests. And then this is the Holy of Holies. 364 days of the year, nobody went in this place because it's where God lived, he said. This is where I live, in the Holy of Holies. Except for one day a year, when the high priest would go in. And he'd go in with the blood of a lamb, and he would sprinkle blood all over the room. And he would say, Lord, Forgive your people. And God would say, Because blood has been shed, my people's sins are forgiven. This is what Caiaphas' job was. To go between God and the people. And this man is plotting to murder. He is plotting to murder God. If you want a comparison, and this would be like if news broke that uh, it was discovered that the Pope was plotting to murder somebody. This is how big and high up in the Christian church or in the the religion that the high priest was. He was the chief pastor. And the most scandalous thing is it's not like this conversation uh, got out of hand. It it wasn't like it started and they just lost control and oops, we didn't mean for it to go this far. They have tried to kill Jesus many times. They've had this conversation numerous times. It was scandalous. And why were they having this conversation? 
Well, they told us. They were afraid the Romans were going to come in, take them out as a nation, and take out their temple. Their own agenda. Politics. And so Jesus had to die. They had to kill Jesus. It's easy to look at a scandal, and when we hear of a scandal, to, to kind of shake our head and say, how could you ever do that? How could you get caught up in this scandal? How can you get so far down the line that you end up here? But before we do that with the chief priests, the, teacher, or the elders, and the high priest, let's take a step back for a second. Let's take a step back and have we ever plotted? Have we ever plotted and planned wrong and sin? Sure. We might be sitting there thinking, well, yeah, but at least I haven't planned and plotted to kill Jesus. I haven't planned and plotted to kill God. Uh, That is way more scandalous than what I've done. Probably true. But have we ever plotted to sin? Have we ever thought of a sin before we've done it and plotted to do it and we followed through anyways? I'll give you a for instance. 20-year-olds, what are they so excited for? To turn 21. Because what are they going to do on their 21st birthday? They're going to go out and really throw down. They're planning and plotting to go out and get drunk. And their friends are plotting and planning to go out and get them drunk. The Bible says drunkenness is a sin. Plotted and planned sin. Premeditated sin. Somebody hurts us or our family, and what do we start to do? We plot and we plan revenge. What we're going to do. We start rehearsing in our mind what we're going to say, and we go over it again and again and again. And we plot and we plan, and we can't wait to see that person next time. We plot and we plan sin when uh, we try to get away with something. When we know something is not right, but we plan and we plot uh, so that our, uh, you know, our spouse, the government, our parents, teachers, they don't find out. We plot and we plan to get away with something. We all plot and we all plan and we all have done this very same thing. We've plotted and we planned sin. And let me ask you, what do you think that does for our relationship with God? When we plot and we plan sin, how do you think it affects it? It's more than not good. It's actually your second point in your worship folder today. Every time we plan to sin, we plan to kill Jesus. And you might see that and you think, well, that's a little harsh, Pastor. But why did Jesus die? He died because of my sin. He died for every sin that I committed. And when I plot and I plan to sin, I might as well hold that cold steel of a nail in His hand and drive it home. Because it's for that sin that He died. Every time I plot and plan to sin, every time we plot and plan to sin, It's as if we're saying to Jesus, Jesus, I know you have to die for my sin, but guess what? My agenda, my feelings are more important than you. You have to go right now because my feelings and my agenda are more important. 
Why did the chief priests, the teachers and elders of the law want to get rid of Jesus? Because of their political agenda. Because of their own feelings. And all of a sudden we realize we're right there at the table with them when we plot and plan to sin. But the amazing thing is that as these chief priests, this high priest and the elders are plotting and planning to kill Jesus, another plan was taking place. Here's what we're told. Here's what Caiaphas the high priest said. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God. To bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Caiaphas prophesied that one man would die for the nation. God gave him that prophecy. And it leads us to our third point today. Caiaphas plotted to save his nation politically, but God planned to save all nations eternally. It is pretty crazy to think about, but God is the master planner. And He planned to send His Son into the world to save us, me, you, all people, from our sins. He planned it. And the thing about God's plan is it's not a reactionary plan. He planned it in advance. Not a few days, not a few years, not a few thousand years. He planned it from before the creation of the world. Before God ever said, let there be, God planned to send Jesus to save us. God knew everything that would happen before He ever created you. And He planned to save you. And now maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, if if God knew everything that's going to happen, if He knew all of the sins that we would commit, if He knew He'd have to send Jesus to save us, why in the world would He create the world? And that's a question that we could ask ourselves every single day for the rest of our lives and never have an answer. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. And so instead of focusing on that question, let's focus on what we do know. And that is that God must really love you if He knew everything and still sent His Son, still created this world, still created you. If God knew before the creation of the world that Adam and Eve would sin, If He knew before the creation of the world all the times that we would sin, if He knew before the creation of the world every time we would plan to sin, if He knew that He had to send His Son into the world to save us, and He still created the world, and you, He must really, really love you. And He must really want a relationship with you. Because He created the world. And He planned to save you even before sin was in the world. And that's what we see, don't we? As soon as Adam and Eve fall into sin in Genesis chapter 3, what does God do? 
He comes and He says to Satan, Satan, you plan to destroy this human race? Well, I have a plan that you don't know about and it's to save them. And I'm going to destroy you and your work. I'm going to save them. And from that moment on, the rest of Scripture is unfolding God's plan for salvation. And God finally tells Caiaphas, one man is going to die for the nation. It's better that one man perishes than the whole nation perish. And that's how God feels about you. It's better that his son dies than you. Now I, want you, I don't want you to be confused about something, so I need to address it. God knows everything that's going to happen before it does. He knew everything that's going to happen before the creation of the world. That's called His foreknowledge. He knows everything. But God isn't the orchestrator of sin. He doesn't create sin. He doesn't create evil. He's not the orchestrator of it. But He's able to carry out His plan despite evil, in spite of evil. So even though God knows everything in advance, He doesn't create evil. He allows it to happen, though. And He allows it to carry out His plan. I'll give you for instance. As I said, this wasn't the first time that the people tried to plan to kill Jesus, plot to kill Jesus. They tried to throw Him off a cliff. And Jesus allowed them to carry Him to the edge of the cliff, and then He turned around and walked right through the crowd. And they tried to grab Him, and it was like grabbing a ghost. Why? Because God's plan wasn't ready yet. And so God didn't allow that evil. They tried to stone Jesus, and He once again fled them, because God said, not yet. But now God's plan was ready. His plan to save the world was ready to be fulfilled, and so God said, I'll allow it to happen. And they plotted and they planned to kill Jesus for their purposes. But God allowed their plan to happen for His purpose. They plotted and they planned to kill Jesus for their purpose. But God allowed it for His purpose. And a few months later, Jesus would hang from that cross and He would die. And when He died, all of your sins, all of my sins, the sins of the whole world, were forgiven. Because there His blood was shed. And there God said, your sins are forgiven. We are at peace and we have a good relationship. God's plan to have you as His own was complete. The plan He had from before the creation of the world. So what do we do now? Where do we go from here? It's your last point today. Marvel at the plans of God. If you are ever feeling like God doesn't love you, if you're ever feeling unloved, stop and think about God's plans. He knew how sinful we would be before the creation of the world. And yet He still said, I got to have a relationship with you. And so He planned to send Jesus to save you. Incredible. And all the details He had to have to make it happen. But He did because He wanted a relationship with you. That must be some kind of love. And so later this afternoon, 
as you plan your meals for the week, let it remind you of how God planned. As you plan that vacation and you figure out all the details that you need to figure out for that vacation, let it remind you of the details that God had to have to plan to save you. As you look at your budget and you realize you have to cut some things out, let it remind you of how God planned. And He planned to cut out His Son just to save you and me. And He thought it was worth it because He just needed to have you. That's amazing love. Amazing grace. We sin, but His grace is more. Every single day. So may God be with you this week as you live in that love, as you live in that grace, as you live in the forgiveness that He offered and that He planned for you before the creation of the world. Amen.